and welcome to The Trusted Advisor, a channel-focused podcast and video series powered by the Retail Solutions Providers Association. I'm Jim Roddy, your host for today. Thank you so much for joining us. This pod and video series is designed specifically for point-of-sale resellers and software developers, and our goal is to educate you on the topics of technology, leadership, management, sales, marketing, and other small business best practices. Today on the podcast, we'll be talking about stellar personal customer service with two special guests. First, we have Kevin McGrath. Kevin is celebrating 20 years as the co-owner of Value Systems, a family-owned and operated restaurant and retail bar in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. Kevin and his wife, Melissa, are regular attendees at both RSP Inspire and Retail Now. Hey, Kevin, thanks for your time today. Thank you, Jim. Our second special guest is Mick McGrath, no relation to Kevin. Mick is a senior partnership manager at WorldPay from FIS. He started his channel career back in 2005 in sales at Mercury Payment Systems in Durango, Colorado, where he resides today. Mick, great to talk with you. Yeah, good afternoon, Jim. Good afternoon, Kevin. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks both of you for taking time out and for sharing some of your insights. And full disclosure before we get into this webinar, I've worked with Kevin and his team on customer service workshops and merchant surveys. And then Mick and I worked together for uh, almost three years during my tenure at Vantive, uh, then it became WorldPay. So you can kind of consider me maybe the third McGrath brother uh, on this uh, podcast and, and conversation here today. So before we get to our questions, our audience might be asking why we're featuring two guests instead of a more traditional one-on-one -on -one interview like a typical podcast. So for those of you new to the pod, here's why we do that. The biggest strength of the RSPA is the community and the partnerships that can be forged and sometimes where you least expect them. So what we're going to do on many episodes of The Trusted Advisor is show the RSPA community in action by having guests share their unique perspectives and see where their conversation takes us. That's what happens every day among RSPA members, and we thought it'd be interesting to share that with you. All right, let's rock and roll. And so let's start off at a high level with your guiding principles for customer service. And so what are some of the philosophies you followed that have resulted in highly satisfied customers? And so Kevin, if we can start with you, and I guess in a way I'm asking you, tell me about value systems, value system by sharing your philosophies, sure. Kevin. So uh, well, yeah. what makes uh, what's make your company tick? I think um, one of the things that really um, helps with good um, customer satisfaction is that you set realistic expectations with the customer and that you, um, you know, everything's spelled out in the beginning, what is to be expected from, um, for the services between you and your customer, and then um, basically following through with those, with what you do, what you say you're going to do. I mean, it's really that basic, and then um, very important to answer all questions quickly, and um, it's more important at least tell them, I'll get back with you um, as soon as you have an answer, if you don't have an answer immediately, it's very, very important to us that the customer knows that we're on any type of issue that arises as soon as as soon as possible, and um, that we get a quick answer back to the customer. Got it. Uh, thank you for that. Can you talk first uh, about? Can you dive a little bit deeper into the expectations standpoint, and how do you talk to a potential customer and try to sell them? Right, you're trying to get them excited about something, but managing. Their expectations at the same time and setting it appropriate. Uh, how do you how do you thread that needle? Um, well, we want to make sure that we um, we spell it like spell it all out in the beginning. What's you know what's expected as far as um, from us, and if it's if their expectations are extremely beyond what we would normally provide, 
we want to give them, you know, the answer that we cannot, we cannot go into that area. Um, basically, um, you know, the customer's never going to be happy if they're, they're wanting us to do services that we just cannot provide. So we want to make sure that it's a good fit between us and the customer. Got it. And do you put that in writing? Do you have an SLA, a service level agreement, uh, or is it more verbal? No, it's verbal, but it's also backed up with um, with a, a service contract in the beginning. Um, it's important that um, for us that anything that's verbal is also backed up um, in writing as well. I learned early on if somebody's not willing to put it in writing, they're really not willing to do what they say. So they shouldn't be afraid to actually put that down in writing. It sounds like that's what you stand by as well. Absolutely. Yeah, it holds us accountable too. Got it. Great. So uh, setting expectations, following through, answering quickly. Those are some of your guiding principles. Uh, Mick, how about uh, for you? What are some uh, principles that have guided you over the years as a uh, long time, you know, person who has taken care of many customers inside of this channel? Yeah, similar to Kevin, I would uh, agree with all of his statements. Um, but one thing I've, you know, I've held close is um, listening, listening to the customer, number one and digging deeper from there and then owning it, you know, owning that process. Um, as you know, you mentioned, I've been doing this for a while and, you know, going back into the old Mercury days, we didn't have different branches of sales. We kind of were doing everything at the time and flying by the seat of our pants and just following through on it, you know, and staying engaged with the customer or the VAR or the ISV. And in a lot of cases, it's all three of them, you know, um, that I'm servicing, but just listening and digging deeper and, you know, finding out what those issues are and then writing it, writing it out with them. Got it. And so can you talk about, I asked Kevin about threading the needle between getting somebody excited and then setting realistic expectations. Can you talk from your standpoint about where you're trying to sell somebody and you really want to pitch them and communicate a lot, but then having to listen as well? Can you share, how do you balance that? How do you make sure you keep that in the right amount? Yeah, a lot of that, Jim, is, you know, question-based selling, um, asking, you know, your uh, your partner or your customer end user, you know, what what is their business like? How do they run their day-to-day -day business? Um, what, And then listening again and finding out where you can take it from there and not letting them drive it, really. Got it. Okay, so steering while at the same time listening, like trying to, trying to balance both of those. Yeah, exactly. Got it. Okay. So good. Well, thank you for sharing those principles right off the bat. And, you know, principles are one thing. You can have stuff hanging up on the wall. You can preach it all you want. But execution, it seems like that's where a lot of VARs and ISVs fall down. They have all the intents, you know, uh, to get something done, but they just don't have the systems behind it. So, uh, Kevin, I, if I can start with you, what are some internal systems or technology that Value Systems has embraced to provide stellar personal customer service? Yeah, I wish um, really we would have put systems in place earlier, and it's probably been about two and a half, three years now that we put systems in place, and we um, we have a CRM system, we have a help desk, a help desk system. Um, both of those are very important, in my opinion. I think it's a must that you have these things in place. Um, top top priority. Um, help desk, especially, even more important in my in my opinion than CRM. Um, every call that we take now is logged, so we have. Um, we have accountability for everything, even you know, enhancing our accountability, and um, less things are falling through the cracks because we have a record of every call, it, whether it be it's solved, 
if it's pending, if it's open, we can go back and review those tickets and make sure everybody's um, everybody's taken care of. So I can't stress enough the importance of a help desk and a CRM software. That's, that's helped us so much. Yeah, and can you paint the picture for our listeners and our viewers? What did value systems look like pre, you know, having CRM and help desk and what does it look like afterwards? And just to gauge, you have five employees, is that correct, including you and Melissa? Yes, that's correct. So we're a small company. So even there's no excuse for any company of any size not to have a CRM. I would say that we were handling things and I would say that 90% of everything was handled properly, but um, it, this, we wouldn't have been able to grow further without putting these systems in place. Um, that's, that's the main thing. We would have been stuck. And um, you may look, people might look at it as a, um, as a cost, but it's really so well worth it. Um, I, I guess to sum it up, we were doing okay. And you know, the word fine, it's not really the best word, you know, you're doing fine, but it's just elevated our business so much more having those systems in place. And I, I can guess the reason why you were stuck and couldn't grow was just the time that it took, like all the manual work and all the overhead they had, and that these systems reduce the time? Or, um, you know, what was it? I, I'm assuming it was that, but I don't want to assume. I want to get the answer from you. No, it wasn't. Um, no, it was more of a, more of um, just keeping track of everything, having to go back and ask people verbally, what did you do, and try to, them to try to remember what was done. It was just, it's not the proper way to do things. You need to have those records, especially if you're ever going to grow. I mean, you're going to be stuck at that point if you're relying on all the information, just the information in your head as far as who talked with who and what the issue was and when it happened. Um, all that simplified by the CRM in the, in the help desk software. And for those who are watching on the video, I'm an avid note taker. And so I'm always taking notes. And so I've always said if I, I do that because I don't consider myself particularly bright. And so I need, because I don't remember things quite as well, but if you take really good notes, you'll have 100% of your memory on paper. But even if you're a genius and you're relying on just your thought process, I think uh, what you said is right, Kevin, you're only gonna get 90% of the way there and that's not good enough. You, you wanna be 100%. Absolutely. Uh, let me ask, before I turn it to Mick and ask him the same question, uh, we're talking about execution. You mentioned earlier about answering quickly. Can you uh, help paint a picture for what do you do to make sure that your merchants uh, get their phone calls, get their emails, get their tickets answered quickly? What do you do to make sure that happens as opposed to just crossing your fingers? Sure, we um, we have the policy that we don't have, we try to never have voicemail. We, um, all of our phones, that's another, it goes back to systems again. We also have a VoIP phone system which will route our calls. So if we're out of the office, it'll reroute to our, um, to our cell phones. We have an app on our, our phone, so basically, we're reachable 24-7, and um, we have some people that are scheduled to be on call 24-7. Our goal is to never get somebody to go to a voicemail, unless they want to go to a voicemail. There are options, for instance, if they do not want immediate help, they would rather leave a message, there is that option on the, on the voicemail. But we um, take that extremely seriously that we um, answer all of our calls. Uh, and how do you and your team 
feel about, I guess, really the rest of your team, because you and Melissa, you know, are living uh, through this. And so it's 24-7 for you anyway. Uh, does the rest of your team take some of those phone calls 24-7? I know I've had some uh, VARs that I've talked with who are a little nervous about providing 24-7 support because of how their team might feel about it and if they'll actually pick up, things like that. Uh, how does that work out for you? They do. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful for having a good team. I mean, we um, they really put in above and beyond um, what I would normally, normally hear. And, um, yeah, they um, basically I'm on call two nights a week. Somebody else is on call two nights a week. And I have somebody that's on call on the weekends. So we have all those shifts covered. And um, we've also um, narrowed down the support. We've automated. We've done some automations as well some um, routine maintenance things that we would have had to done manually before have been automated. So we've reduced a lot of our support calls as well. So I would attack it on both ends, have automation. So you're getting less support calls, work on the, um, if you are getting a bunch of support calls, go back to your, um, go back to your uh, help desk, identify that you're having this type of call and you see if you can put a, um, a fix to that. So you reduce your support calls as well. That's also another part of the goal, but, um, we have a great team and we do cover um, 24-7 and, um, you know, for the most part, we do get some calls at 3 a.m., 4 a.m., but they're, they're few and far between. Got it. And that's what it seems to be is when those, those calls don't come in very often, but when they do, you're a real hero uh, for doing that. So, well, thanks for sharing that. And so, uh, Mick, Kevin kind of explained what Value Systems does for running the entire, you know, five-person organization there. I'm hoping you can talk about your systems and technologies like you as an individual, not that you have to go through all the different tools that uh, WorldPay has, because I want to talk to you about your personal performance. And because I guess if I can pause here, both of you guys are unbelievably good in this regard. Like I've seen it firsthand. I've heard about it secondhand. So that's why I want to know, like, what do you do, Mick, personally, uh, that has given you such a good reputation in the industry and uh, and satisfying the, the partners that you work with? I answer my phone. <laughs> you know, that, that's one... That's a that's a big part of it. I mean, I'm always shocked. A lot of people uh, won't answer their phone or let it to go to voicemail and, uh, you know, follow up with it on another time. So now that's number one. Um, I just had a merchant reach out to me uh, last week, and she hadn't spoken to me since 2007 when I was in merchant sales, but she had, you know, a note written somewhere, Mick McGrath answers his phone. And that's what she said. She goes, I know you haven't spoken to me in a long time. You probably don't remember me, but I had a note to call you whenever I needed something. And, you know, lo and behold, I answered my phone. Um, you know, our CRM system that we have uh, here at WorldPay and Salesforce and the ability of those two to communicate. And what I specifically will use is uh, trouble tickets. And I might be very overbearing on that, but I document everything and anything associated with a bar, a developer, or one of their merchants because that that information needs to flow through. It needs to flow through to the, the person working at 3 a.m. in Durango in tech support. They need to know what occurred 24 hours ago or what occurred at 11 p.m. Um, I also have the Salesforce app on my phone, and that's great because I can't get into the CRM a lot of times when I'm traveling, um, but I can get into that app, and the notes should transfer over. Um, so that helps me personally to stay on top of things. And keep all the information at your fingertips is what it sounds like. You don't have to, again, rely yeah. on your memory. You've got the tools there and you're set up in case of any emergency. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll document notes on my notepad, but 
I try to be diligent about getting it into the notes in, in Salesforce, regardless of what it is, just so it, it's there. And then I can always use that, you know, for follow-ups. John, it's interesting how you said people are used to getting voicemail. I've actually changed the way that I answer my phone now, where I say either good morning or good afternoon. Like when my phone rings, I'm always looking at the clock to uh, understand what to say, because in the past I would just say, this is Jim, and people would pause, and they're like, oh, I thought it was your voicemail. So I don't know if that was their expectations or if I just sounded like I was a lifeless soul uh, on the other end of the sure. line. So now that I say good morning or good afternoon, uh, it makes those conversations actually start as conversations. They don't think they're they're talking to a machine. I agree. Um, yep. So you, you guys both talked about technology, but the one thing that tech can't replace is face-to-face -face engagements. And so can you talk about how you've utilized face-to-face -face engagements and make sure that a certain percent of your time is in front of customers. And Mick, if we can start with you, because, you know, again, you're based in Durango, but your partners, your customers are all across the country. And I know when we scheduled this interview, you were actually across the country visiting partners. And so how do you, starting with you, find the right balance between getting the work done in the office and then spending time outside face-to-face? Yeah, that's a, a great question, Jim. I, I think there's nothing better than face-to-face -face visits. And I think we've gone, we've moved away from the old handshake of the old days. And I still believe in that um, idea. So I, I recently uh, spent the fourth quarter of 2019 out on the road. And I got out as much as I possibly could. And I was visiting VARs of the ISVs that I work with. Um, because you can't, you know, over the phone, you can put it on mute, you can, you know, you don't see your facial expressions, but you can really get down and dirty when you're in a face-to-face -face, uh, environment. Um, and you just find out a lot of a lot of stuff you're not going to capture over a phone. Um, you also, some of it's good, some of it's bad, um, but, you know, you hopefully the good will outweigh the bad. And what I try to do is when I visit partners, then I offer to go visit their portfolio. Maybe that's a retention call. Maybe it's just to go, you know, have a nice steak and show them that, hey, you know, I'm, I'm here to give you the business and I appreciate you giving me the business and our partners. Got it. And then how do you gauge when it's enough, when it's too much? Because you could spend all your time and more uh, out on the road. Sure. Uh, is it just a nervous system thing or, or how do you measure that? Yeah, I try to, you know, I do it quarterly and I'll piggyback off of, you know, if I need to be somewhere at a show, then I'll stay an extra couple of days. And, you know, to be perfectly honest, Jim, probably 50% of who I visit a lot of times aren't even in my wheelhouse anymore, but I've built that relationship back from, you know, 15 years ago. And a lot of these uh, relationships, they've become friends and, um, you know, I still like to go visit them and let them know that. I'm here. You know, granted, we're, we're this larger company now from the old days of Mercury payment systems, but I haven't changed. I haven't gone anywhere, you know, so I want them to know that you can always come to me. Got it. Thank you for that. Now, Kevin, somebody might think, oh, Kevin's got it easy. His customers are really in the Myrtle Beach area, might have a few outside, sure. so it must be easy for him to visit his customers, but that's still a lot of drive time, FaceTime, things like that. I guess, can you share with us how what is your methodology for visiting customers is it you meet with them every quarter you meet with them once a year you squeak a wheel gets to grease i guess first what is your philosophy in that is it an organized system or is it by feel and then uh how do you find the right balance um to make sure you're 
focusing on the right things as one of the leaders of the company. Yeah, at the end of last year, we started um, an initiative. We're going to um, try to visit customers once per week and, um, you know, in our local area at least. And so um, we try our best to every week try to visit three or four customers, which would get us in the vicinity of seeing everybody once a year. And then, of course, if there's anybody that needs immediate assistance, you know, they're like you said, a squeaky wheel, then we make that a priority first and foremost. But um, we've tried to make, we've tried to schedule with people to make these, uh, make these uh, visits. And um, we haven't been real successful scheduling. We've been more successful just literally popping in and, and visiting with these customers. I really, um, I really like what Mick said about being personal. You know, that's so important. I really appreciate what he said there and that he's, you know, visited these people that he might not even be in their wheelhouse anymore. I really appreciate that. And we're the same way. I think um, so many people are trying to take the personal aspect out of business and business is personal. And, um, you know, so we try to visit them um, once a week. And, you know, what's so surprising about that is when we do make these visits, we try to uh, consciously not to make it a sales call, but we do lightly touch on new products that we offer and things like that. And it, we've made sales from these visits and we haven't even been doing it that long so it's been very very um uh productive for us and mick also like he mentioned so you hear the good you hear the bad but even the bad is at least an opportunity to make it right so you know i think you know visit, visit these customers on a regular basis and you're going to strengthen that relationship you have between you and that, and that customer and how structured are these meetings kevin like do you just walk in and have them start talking you have a couple products or thoughts in the back of your mind, are you doing an assessment there and seeing where it aligns, or is it more you've got some, I want to say, Ten Commandments, not that you're walking in with two stone tablets, though so that would be memorable uh, if you would do that. Um, I, but I guess how thorough do you plan for these uh, engagements? Do you have a really, you know, like is it a, a really detailed plan, or do you just know them well enough and you kind of uh, feel your way through it as you're asking them questions? It's loosely, I'd say it's loosely scripted. Um, Melissa and Jacob are the ones actually going out and doing the visit. They go out together and do these visits. And um, that that goes to show, too, that we really, you know, we, we're willing to put the um, extra manpower in there as well. We have two people coming to see, to come and talk to the people. And um, like, like I say, it starts out with an introduction and then some small talk. And then it goes to a loosely scripted. And then, um, like Mick said earlier, listening, you know, active listening, listen to the customer, see what their needs are. And then in the end, we close with, this is not a sales call, but we want you to be aware of some of the products we have to offer. And if there's anything else that you are looking for in the market, please let us know. It might be something we're interested in providing as well. Got it. My next question is actually about how do you dive deep? But before we get into that, just a couple things you guys both brought up about being personal and then just the importance of not playing any tricks, like having this technique or, you know, something where you're being inauthentic. I mean, quite frankly, um, either one of you want to take that and talk about the importance of just being yourself, you know, right? Being straight with them and not trying to put on some show and being some sort of an actor. Uh, either one of you want to want to run with that? You want to take that sure, you know, first? Sure, I can go, go Kevin. Um, you know, I'll... I'll Jim, when I always wrap up a, a visit, I, I will let them know, like, I can't guarantee that I can fix this. I can't guarantee that I can get it addressed today or tomorrow, but I will get back with you. And I usually follow up then with an email to them 
or a text message or a phone call just saying, hey, I'm still working on this, or hey, I have an update, or sorry, you know, uh, there's not much I can do here, but let me see what I can do for another need yet. Yeah. I would just say people know the difference between a real and a fake. I mean, if you're trying to fake it, it's not going to last long. You need to just, you know, be authentic, be real, and they're going to they're gonna know the difference. Yeah, my old called bas basketball coach used to say, hey, when I turn my back in practice, you might be able to go half speed. When you get in the game, the guy you're guarding, he's going to smell you out. So you can get away with it now, but sooner or later, that other person, they're going to know. Like, you, you can't fake it yep. the whole the whole way through. Uh, I'll also say here, so when I, I scheduled uh, both you guys for this uh, podcast, um, I didn't do it just because of the last names. In fact, I didn't even realize it until after Mick had agreed to do it. I'm like, oh, their last name is both McGrath. So I'm almost embarrassed like I didn't even pay attention. That was uh, the forest of the trees. But I also wanted you guys on because you're great at customer service, but also you're not flashy. Like everybody thinks it's some sort of game or trick or something or other. And talking about that, I guess if either one of you can go down that path, I guess I'll start with you, Kevin, in terms of like, you're not there to put on some sort of show or like you are the way you are. Melissa is the way she is. Jacob, we're going to talk about him in a little bit. It's just authentic. And I guess, is that something that you just have always been? Or is that something that you learned? Did you have to learn the hard way? I guess if you can share that, the importance of authenticity versus then trying to be some flash or superhero or something like that. No, I, you know, I am, I am what I am. I've always been kind of low key. And, you know, people have always said to me, one thing that the comment they've always made is you're so calm. You're so calm. When everything's, everything's going, blowing up around you, you're so calm. And I say, well, getting excited is not going to make, make it any better. I'm not going to be able to fix it any faster if I jump up and down and, uh, you know, do a cartwheel down the hallway. But, um, it's just, um, it's just the way I am really. I mean, I don't know how else to explain that. But um, just just the way things are. All right, Mick. Yeah, I always try to be myself, Jim. You know, regardless if I'm in the office, out of the office, if I'm, you know, skiing with my kids or um, traveling to visit partners. You know, what you see is what you get. Um, I try not to uh, get too excited over things, and you know, um, I'll talk a little bit more about that uh, later uh, about a book that I that I read. But you know. Um, I just try to keep everything level. Got it. Yeah, there was a phrase, and I don't know if this goes back. I went to a uh, small Christian high school, but they talked about not putting on airs, like, you know, some air of superiority or something like that. Like, uh, just be yourself. And then also to your point, Kevin, about remaining calm, I always uh, quote my college basketball coach, Bob Duquette, but he was talking to us about have a surgeon's attitude. And it was like, what do you mean a surgeon's attitude? We're playing basketball. And he would say, when a surgeon opens up somebody and something goes wrong, you want your surgeon to act very calmly and precisely. You don't want them to throw the scalpel in the air and be like, oh, my gosh, this is terrible. Look at all the blood. Like, how would you want somebody to behave? And it's really behaving constructively. So I like that. And that's, again, I wanted to expose everybody to this is great customer service doesn't mean like great marketing or flashy colors. It's, uh, it's this kind of personal, you know, not flashy necessarily. You're not going to make the, the cover of a magazine. So um, one other question I wanted to ask you before uh, we take a quick break is, you know, an early step in outstanding customer service is knowing your client's goals and problems in detail. It's not just being nice. It's not just having good systems, although those are important. So I guess, Mick, starting with you, how do you achieve that with the customer without feeling like 
you're interrogating with them. You talked about question-based. How do you make sure it's not question, 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 and uh, you know, you're getting to understand their needs without them feeling like they're on the hot seat? Yeah, you know, I, I'll try to find out more about their business. You know, one one thing that I remember coming up was uh, American Express. You know, a lot of merchants I remember selling, you know, didn't want to take it. And I always, you know, would dig down deeper and be like, well, why? Well, it's, you know, it might cost a little more or there might be, you know, uh, interchange associated with it and whatnot. And I'd always say, you know, I would, if it was my business, I would want to take it because, they might not come back if you don't take it. So giving them more knowledge to assist them down the road um, with, with, uh, with their business needs. Um, and the same goes for, you know, bars and ISVs and, you know, their integrations and, and products that they might not want to, to look at or take and kind of just educating them a little more about, you know, what they could get out of it. Got it. Kevin? Uh, how do you do that? How do you uh, dig into the problems and help them solve them without it sounding like an interrogation? I guess the uh, trick is get them talking, really, and get them listen. So we're listening so rather than we're um, asking a hundred questions. You know, um, kind of prompt them with um, what are your business needs and try to not interject as many questions and get more um, conversation from the customer. Another thing that we do is through, through um, the RSPA, Jim, and you help us with this, with our customer um, surveys at the end of the year. Those have been very valuable for us. We can see, um, you know, how we're doing as far as customer service and any um, specific needs that a customer need, you know, has. And then and combine that with our customer visits, um, just trying to keep it um, low-key, not high-pressure that we're, you know, like you said, we're not um, interrogating them. We're just trying to get them to talk and um, explain their business and you know what their pain points are and what you know what their needs are. Yeah, and uh, when I was with uh, Business Solutions Magazine, Jamison Publishing, we had a methodology with our sales reps, and it was probe to understand. But oftentimes, uh, you would have a rep who would probe to sell. Right, they were only looking for cues that they can then you know push the product on. It's like no, really take a step back and just genuinely understand their business. And I guess that sounds like it's an underpinning uh, for both of you guys. You're actually going in there to try to understand them, not simply trying to sell them another product. Uh, if I'm, am I understanding that uh, correctly, uh, Kevin? Yeah, absolutely. Like, like I said earlier, when we do the, the customer visits, our intent absolutely is not to sell them anything, but the result have been that they've um, told us needs and we've been able to provide a solution for them. For instance, um, you know, we go in and we find out our internet goes down three times a month, so we're able to sell them a 3G backup, and they're thrilled that they're able to keep their internet connection up at a you know very minimal investment. So you know those kind of things come out in conversation rather than Got sales. Great. great. Well, let's pause here for a moment uh, to let our listeners and viewers know this is this will be my selling portion of it. Right? Stop stop listening for the next minute or so. Uh, so let our uh, listeners and viewers know an RSP membership has never been more valuable or affordable. The RSP recently expanded its VAR and ISV member benefits to include discounts on health insurance, HR services, office supplies, and shipping. Also, RSP members now have access to a legal advisor, security advisor, sales coach, VAR and ISV business advisor, and as Kevin mentioned, a customer health checkup merchant survey. That's all included in your annual RSP membership, which a reseller starts at just $250 a year. 
That's 68 cents a day for these high value services. Without an RSP membership, you'll either spend thousands of dollars paying an outside consultant who doesn't know the channel, or you'll end up going it alone during these turbulent times in our industry. Accelerate your success by joining the RSPA today. Also, we want to thank our sponsors who support the RSPA community and make this podcast and video series possible. Our platinum sponsors are Blue Star, Heartland, ScanSource, and Shift4 Payments. To receive the benefits of an RSP membership or RSP sponsorship, email membership at gorspa.org. And finally, don't forget to save the date for Retail Now 2020, August 2nd through 5th at the Venetian in Las Vegas. Retail Now is where the industry meets. So thank you everybody for uh, for pausing that. I thought yeah, I missed an opportunity that I should have had this podcast sponsored by Ancestry, right, with the two McGraths on there, because somehow you have to be connected and uh, but that might be for a later thing. We'll have to have you guys back and see if we can get Ancestry to fork over some money and uh, and research the McGrath family tree for us. Um, yeah, we should do right, it on St. So, Patrick's Day. God, it sounds like a good idea. Yeah, get together in March and do that. Um, Mick, let me ask you this first, and, and then I'll, I'll get to Kevin. But uh, I want to get your take on you know additional customer service specifics. We talked earlier, it's not just being fluffy and smiling. It's actually providing the most help and guidance to your customers. And so one of my favorite books is a challenger sale. And it talks about the concept of commercial teaching, which is, you know, teach the prospect uh, the merchant, something new about how their company can compete more effectively. You talked about question-based understanding. Can you give me an example or a couple examples of you teaching a customer how to compete more effectively? Sure. You know, uh, what I said earlier about asking customers why they're not taking a specific card and, you know, how that card can benefit them, um, as well as, you know, we, we WorldPay have, you know, a, a few online present products where it helps them compete, you know, out there in the neighborhood that they may be in. What is your, what's the guy doing across the street or around the corner? Um, you know, helping them get up to that level. You know, what are they missing? how it will draw more business back in, you know, consultative selling and, you know, giving them more tools to be competitive out there in the market. Um, for VARs, you know, uh, telling them why aren't they broadening out their portfolio? Why are all your eggs in one basket? You know, uh, you should spread it out so you have all a few different types of points of sales to sell and to pitch to uh, your end users. And sometimes you have to tell them that they're wrong. Like you don't just say, you're wrong. Uh, but am I right? I mean, that's sometimes you have to say, yeah, I know I want your money. Like I want to make this sale. But what you're recommending or what you're thinking is off base. I guess, can you can you talk about that, Mick? Like how do you communicate that while still having them stay on the phone and not hang up on you? You know, it's, it, rather than driving it down their throat, you know, kind of putting out uh, – some subjects and, and things of the industry and how it will benefit them, letting them digest it, and then letting them make the decision um, and accepting it rather than me pushing it on them. And giving them, you know, some examples of that and how it might have benefited another customer. Maybe it's not that same customer as they are, but um, examples definitely help. Got it. Uh, Mike Seymour, uh, the president of PauseTech, he's famous for saying, and see if I can remember this quote, reasonable people equally informed will often make a similar decision. 
And so if you have folks who are missing in terms of a decision-making process, it's, we probably need to get more information, either from them or we need to give them uh, more information. So Mick, thanks, thanks for sharing that. Kevin, I want to ask you a couple specifics. Uh, one is uh, from your website. So the headline on your website over your customer testimonial videos, it doesn't say something boring like testimonials. It says, quote, trusted and loved by customers. And so I'm curious, uh, why did you and Melissa choose that specific language, trusted and loved by customers? It kind of goes back to what we said earlier about making it personal. You know, we didn't want a generic um, testimonials up there. Um, we really wanted to shoot for something higher than just uh, just a testimonial. We wanted to be trusted and loved. So that's really the goal that we're going for. We're, um, our goal is to have a customer not for 18 months or 24 months or any number of months, but for the life of the customer. We really want that customer to um, trust us and love us is even deeper. We would, you know, that's the, the second um, level. But trust is so important to us that um, the customer, you earn that trust and then um, the customer really looks you looks at you as an advisor, you know, trusted advisor. That's what, that's our goal, really. And let's talk about one of your employees who I know from working with him, he truly loves your customers and even his prospects. I think everyone on the planet Earth, uh, he loves them. And this is uh, Jacob Bilton. Um, can you talk about him in particular and the importance of having team members who are, I, I don't mean this as a criticism, he is obsessed with helping other people, which I think is a, is a great thing. Can you talk about how important it is to have somebody with that mindset in the customer-facing uh, position? Sure. I mean, if you're um, fortunate enough to have a Jacob Milton on your team, I mean, it's just, it's amazing. I mean, like you said, he loves, he loves people, even, um, you know, regardless if they're our customers or not, he goes out, he can make a connection with just about anybody. And then um, we've had several, I've heard, I've had several stories where people have um, told me, you know, I've been talking to Jacob for two and a half years. I've been talking to Jacob for three years. I knew that when I was eventually going to do something, I was going to do it with Jacob. It wasn't. It wasn't even they're going to do it with value systems. They're going to. They Jacob's made that um, personal relationship with that customer, and then you know he'll check on them every six months or every you know maybe even every year. It might not even be that often, but he continues to make that um, that personal connection. So um, if you have uh, you're fortunate enough to have a Jacob Milton on your team, you want to keep that person. Incentivize that person too, because um, you know they'll feel like they're part of your company, not just an employee. And um, it's just it's he, he does he really does treat our business as if it's as if it's his business. Yeah, and there's something to be said for really making an impression on another person, how you genuinely care about them. And that's what I guess you know I get from talking to Jacob. I only met him in person once. You know, he was at Retail Now this past year, but everything else was either over the phone or over video conference but even you know miles apart that that really it really came through and so you know there's again we talked about there are tricks there are techniques there's tactics but if you have that foundation that you truly care about other people that's what you need really to be in this uh industry because you're serving other people on a regular basis yeah he's a very genuine person that's what you have to look for in a um in a salesperson you know no no tricks no fakery just you know straight up honest person yeah, yeah, heart of gold. Uh, and I guess tying in with that, make a question for you. Uh, can you talk about trust? And so merchants every day, you're getting pitched by ISOs or others about 
payments. I mean, you guys both know that because you're talking with merchants on a regular basis. And they're like, oh, sure. another person trying to pitch me on payments. What do you think, Mick, needs to be done to establish trust and then keep it high while everyone else in the world is clawing at your customers? How do you maintain those relationships on a personal and a professional basis to keep them trusting you? Um, great question, Jim. Um, you know, by ro by rolling up your sleeves, um, you know, a lot of times, as I mentioned, when I do uh, visit merchants, you know, I offer that out to my partners, you know, to go visit some merchants. And, you know, the first thing I'll see them come out of the kitchen or the, the bar area is, you know, with, the, with their stacks of statements and comparing it, you know, to a competitor or the guy off the street that's going to save them X amount of money. Um, going over that with them, you know, like I said before, it might not be my wheelhouse, but letting them know that. I'm going to come in here. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to show you, you know, what you're paying on that particular on that statement, and try to compare it to what they're offering. And a lot of times, you know, it it might be higher, it might be lower, but you know, I'm going to be your advocate there, and I'm going to do everything in my power to to keep that customer happy. And that goes back to answering the phone and just listening and you know, taking care of business. Yeah, and uh, Randy Clark, uh, the late Randy Clark, he was the director of marketing at Mercury. I remember him saying to me yeah. one time, do you know what the two most effective marketing tactics are in the payment industry? And I'm thinking, what, emails, social, trade shows? And he's like, lying and bribery. Like, those are the two things that people use in order to make sales in the payment world. So if you can be somebody they actually trust, they're going to stay away from the liars and the bribers or maybe only get burned by them once and stick with it. I guess, Kevin, can you talk about that? Because, you know, you're dealing with payments as well and how important it is for you to be that trusted advisor, not just to give them advice, but that you're going to follow through uh, on your word when you're dealing with your merchants. Yeah, we have to, um, you know, in a world where everybody's going to try to um, sell up on, um, I'm going to save you $200 a month, or I'm going to save you $1,000 a month, or whatever the claim may be, we have to um, really address it that we're going to give you a fair rate but we're also going to be there for you whenever there's any kind of an issue um you know whether it be you just need a simple tip adjustment rather than you call um world pay in this case you call us directly we'll take care of this, that for you we try to set ourselves apart in that way and um you know build value rather than try to sell on just um who's going to give the lowest price was that the was that the question jim yes essentially yes because people they're going to if they don't trust you right that you're being straight up with them someone else is going to come in and lie to them and try to bribe them out of it and so that can tempt them to to pull away and if you don't have that trust with them they will go jump with them i guess that's that's what i've seen it sounds like that's what you're solving in part through your service but in part just by being a a, a trusted human being who's going to be straight up with them yeah i think by having the trust but you build a loyalty basically Got it. All right. Last two questions we ask all our guests, starting with you, Mick. Uh, what technologies are you going to be keeping an eye on over the next 12 to 18 months? So what technologies should VARs and ISVs listening or watching this have on their radar? Um, you know, one for sure is, you know, the, the SaaS model. Um, anything incorporated with that, you know, recurring billing, I think, is the biggest thing out there right now to have that steady uh, cash flow coming through to your business. Um, and it has nothing to do with your, you know, your processing rates. Your rates can go down to a penny a transaction. But if you have that SaaS model in place for either support or maintenance, uh, you know, there's so many different ways you can label it. 
Um, I think that's huge upcoming um, as well. Um, you know, the pay at the table uh, technologies that are coming out, the United States kind of behind the times with that, you know, as far as Europe goes and Canada and seeing where that's going to go in the States and mainly, you know, how, how is it going to be welcomed um, by, you know, the small mom and pops? Are they going to engage it or are they going to be afraid of it? And then that's where, you know, our partners come in to be the advocate and showing them this is why you want this. Um, so pay at the door, you know, anything that's mobile, I think is, uh, it's going to be really interesting to see where we are in a year to two years. I, just the data that's going going into those products, it's it's going to be pretty cool to see everything that it captures. Yeah, and Mick, do you see both order at the table and pay at the table? Like they just have to click it in, it goes back to the kitchen, they move on to the next table, you know, and take the next order, yeah. click it in. That, is, do you think that ties together? Is that something that you're seeing an emergence of as well? Yeah, I do, Jim. Um, you know, uh, we have a we have a, a, a robot in the Durango office that the DI team put together, and it uh, goes off the of facial recognition. And it's amazing to think that at some point, you know, you'll walk into an establishment, and this robot will look up at you and recognize who you are, and know that you like your coffee with a splash of cream, or you like your pizza with a uh, uh, pepperoni rather than onion. So scary, but it's, it's cool too. I just envision the robot seeing you, you're walking in and it announces bad tipper coming through. Watch out for the yeah, bad right. tipper. Um, uh, Kevin, what technologies uh, are you looking at? What are what are the folks at Value Systems examining for 2020 and beyond? I would agree with Nick on the pay at the table. And I'm really, really surprised it's taken as long as it has to take hold. I mean, it's been a long, slow process for adoption of that. But um, I think it's starting to gain some traction. We're going to we keep looking at that. Um, we're getting more interest in that, but not as much as I would expect, really. But we're, we're getting more and more interest in that. And then um, I'm also looking for anything that we can add value added to our services that will just strengthen that relationship. I'm looking at um, like uh, automatic marketing, things like that, or social media marketing, things like that will tie, with, tie in with your POS and help that. Um, in our case, we have a lot of independent restaurants compete on a level with you know, the chain restaurants where they have the um, the presence of uh, social media and um, some of the marketing uh, automations in their POS. So that'll take you stepping beyond the point of sale system, the transaction to actually helping them market their organization. Is that essentially what you're you're looking at doing as well? That's what we're looking for. So we have that customer that just just loves seeing us come to the door. Like, how can, you know, how, how are they going to help us more today? We were, you know, we were at this level. Now we're at another level with, um, you know, gift cards and online ordering. What, you know, what's next? We want to, you know, be viewed as that, um, you know, solution provider, not just, you know, the guy that says he's going to make your credit card go through. So that's basically what we're looking for. Got it. Very good. And final question, starting with you, Mick, can you recommend to our audience a book to read or a podcast to listen to uh, that will help our listeners on their leadership journey in the channel? Sure, Jim. Uh, Max, and you'd recognize this one because uh, I read it with you. Uh, the Obstacle is the Way by uh, Ryan Holiday. Um, I've I've gotten a lot out of that, and you know one of the biggest uh, parts of that book that really took to me was you know obstacles can make us very emotional, and there's so many things that you'll miss 
once you let emotion get in there. And if you don't keep it in check, it's going to, uh, you know, it's going to fly right by you. Um, everyone has fear, right? You know, um, but once you implement that into a situation, there's so much more you're going to miss by not being alert. Um, so I would highly recommend that book, Obstacle is the Way. Uh, I concur with that book is outstanding from a customer service standpoint, from a personal development standpoint, from, you know, getting along better with others and just really changing your mindset. So great one. Obstacle is the way by Ryan Holiday. Uh, Kevin, uh, what book, podcast, resource would you recommend to our listeners? Well, you know, when I started my journey really was with you, Jim, with uh, Raven Fans. That's the first book we read together as a um, as a company. And um, that kind of kicked things off, off for me. It really was uh, inspirational and, um, you know, I've given that book away to people since then, and um, I really recommend that recommend that to get started. And Raving Fans is a fairly breezy read. Like, it's not, you know, some giant book. You can get through it in a, a – I mean, your entire team read it, right, and uh, in a reasonable amount of time. Yeah, super easy. Super easy to get started, and then, you know, it'll get you in the right um, mind frame to go on beyond that. Got it. Wonderful. Two great books. And I love where you guys ended that. It was, it's all about the mindset first, and then the great customer service uh, is going to follow. So, well, to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed our discussion today. If you did, be sure to subscribe to the RSPA YouTube channel and the Trusted Advisor podcast so you never miss an episode. We'd also appreciate if you'd rate us wherever you find your favorite podcast. My personal philosophy is the more stars, the better when you're rating podcasts, especially ours. Uh, if you'd like to learn more best practices for VARs and ISVs in the point of sale channel, you can check out the RSPA blog. You can find it at gorspa.org and then clicking on RSPA blog. Before we go again, uh, we want to say thanks once again uh, to the McGraths, no relation, uh, Kevin and Mick. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. Thanks also to RSPA Marcom manager, Chris Arnold, for his production work. Joseph McDade for our music, and last but not least, thanks so much to you for listening. Our goal at the RSPA is to accelerate the success of our members in the point-of-sale ecosystem by providing knowledge and connections. For more information, visit our website at gorspa.org. Thanks for listening, and goodbye, everybody.